It is the 200 level episode 218, just plain bad. Jerk. Not a good Saturday at Memorial Stadium for those that actually went into the game. God bless you. We stayed out in Lot 31 and enjoyed a, a big old tailgate on a unseasonably hot October Saturday, and we had a blast. But I noticed that the most boring part of the day was the game itself, and that just should not be for what I thought was a winnable game, though fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, three times, four times, five times, a bajillion times, shame on me, because I got fooled yet again. I got fooled into thinking that this team could compete against a relative, by their standards, poor Wisconsin team, and instead you got ran out of your own stadium. Literally and almost figuratively. Well, I should say, sorry, figuratively and almost literally as an English teacher. Come on. Come on, Mr. Carpenter. So as I was sitting there in Lot 31, we had the TV set up, got a big old 60-inch for our tailgate set up, and we're watching the game. And of course, the first series for Illinois on offense goes about like what you would expect it would, which is to say terribly. Um, This is the worst Illinois offense I've ever seen. And it is unfortunately drawing comparisons to the Gary Moeller era which I heard about as a kid. And part of the reason I think that Mike White was so revered around here was because he was the antithesis of Gary Moeller. What Gary Moeller did was essentially try to run the same thing you would at Michigan, but with Illinois players. That's what Gary Moeller did fine at Michigan. It works when you've gotten Michigan kind of athletes. And if I am to throw a yellow flag out there, it's that, oh dear God, what if we're trying to do what Wisconsin does, but with Illinois athletes? I do think you can pull that off eventually. I think that Brett Bielema can turn this into a solid program. And hey, as an Illini football fan, I don't need much to be satisfied. So the bar is set relatively low. But this offense is so bad that I wonder a few things. One, just how bad or uh, how bad was the talent or the lack thereof? And two, how bad is Tony Peterson? And this is maybe unfair, right? Can you polish a turd? Maybe Tony Peterson can't. There's no doubt that you were lacking on the offensive side of the ball, as we saw from the quarterback position, which we won't get into. I mean, good God, is there a worse quarterback room, certainly in the Big Ten? I mean, this is the worst quarterback combo in the Big Ten, but in Power Five? Atrocious. So I know that he's not working with a lot, right? But At the same time, this offense has regressed considerably, and you had a lot of guys returning. You lost Josh Matterbebe. You lost Kendrick Green. Um, No doubt that that hurts you, but to the point of being this bad, there's got to be something with the offensive identity and the scheme or or the lack thereof. Again, I, I keep saying lack thereof. This whole thing is lacking, and the offense was absolutely abysmal, and the play calling was just head scratching. Would it have mattered? I don't know. Bad is bad. You can try to throw smoke and mirrors around it as much as you want, but if you're just plain bad, then I don't know if Tony Peterson or anyone else could do much with it. But I don't want to let the coaches off the hook. This was presumably a very big game for Brett Bielema. He would uh, maybe not admit as much, but this was a statement game, or at least had the possibility of being a statement game. Well, a statement was made, and that statement is, we're going to be waiting for a while. And I don't think Illini football fans have any more patience. So for me, it's this weird kind of detachment that I sort of exercised this year with, let's say, the Yankees, because the Yankees were just a very meh, not very likable team. I just detached. With this Illinois football team, I think that's what I got to do, is just detach. And to be honest, I didn't feel much emotion on Saturday. I was more preoccupied with 
putting on a good tailgate and having fun with the friends that were in town. And that's what we did. And my expectations for the game were relatively meager. As I said last week, I think if you score 20 points, you got a 50-50 shot of winning. And that's exactly how it would have played out if you could have scored any points. But of course, you didn't. So you will hear moments of fire, I guess, today. Though really, I don't have any emotional investment in this team right now. Whatever was there on Saturday, it's gone. And then you watch other college football games, like the end of Penn State and Iowa or Michigan and Nebraska. I see my wife's Michigan State program two years into the Mel Tucker era, starts 6-0, and looking really damn good. And I think, why can't we just not suck terribly? Why is it always this bad? And after a while, you are what you are. You know, this is Illinois football. And until proven otherwise, they just suck. And it got me into hot water with some of the DIA people for just saying that Lovey sucked and Tim Beckman sucked. And I'm hoping Brett Bielema doesn't suck. And I would love to stop using the word suck. The suckiest punch of sucks who ever sucked, as Homer said on a Simpsons episode. But I don't know. Until I see otherwise, that's kind of what you are. You're just a laughing stock. And the signs of life that I thought I saw, now I'm wondering. Now I'm here, here's a bit of positivity for you before we hit the sponsors. You competed with UTSA. Now they're 6-0. You almost beat Maryland and Purdue. Now, if this team is as bad as they looked against Wisconsin, I'm going to flip those losses around and say, wow, the coaching staff did a tremendous job keeping you in those games. Because clearly you don't have much at all. Though I think the answer is somewhere in between. I think that you, unfortunately, may have played your better games against the likes of a Maryland or Purdue. And it still wasn't enough, even though Maryland and Purdue were both very bad on those particular game days. And that you played your worst against Wisconsin. And that you will probably have better showings. You might even, and hear me out, (laughs) uh, if it's the backup quarterback for Penn State again, you may even look slightly better against Penn State than you did against Wisconsin. You might. Uh, But all that said, you know, we could play as many sort of... uh, transitive property games as we want to in terms of your opponents and how good is this Illinois team? No, they aren't good. They're bad. They are as many prognosticated before the season, and I should have been smart enough to go with what national analysts would say, the worst team in the Big Ten West and arguably the worst team in the Big Ten. Yay. Here we are again, just plain bad. All right. The 200 Level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. 15 years they've been around. I was Freshman going on sophomore at the U of I. That's how long ago we're talking. Uh, these guys are the best. Steve and the guys at DP Doe. Custom zones with any topping you want or some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. You can order online at dpdoe.com and they will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdoe.com. Also, 4th and Kirby. I'm on 4thandkirby.com. I wore my Big Guy t-shirt. I saw Big Guy 2. I saw a bunch of those t-shirts floating around the lots on Saturday and It was perfect for a very hot summer day, and it's also going to be perfect for when you're in a warm and cozy State Farm Center. Basketball swag, they got plenty of it, and if you've already moved on to basketball season, as many people have, then Fourth and Kirby is the place to go to. Vintage-inspired Illini apparel. I got about five or six of their shirts. That's fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior needs, these guys are expert craftsmen. 
Superior customer service, and can we be honest, you know, when it comes to contractors and things like that, all the horror stories about, oh, they never got back to me. Ah, man, they left a project half unfinished. No, you don't get that with Rector Construction. These guys are great at what they do, and they have built quite the reputation in town, and for good reason. They are the best. That's Rector Construction, R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Talk about good reputation, and I can speak from firsthand Brian and his staff hooked us up with homeowners and auto insurance, a bundle with great State Farm prices, and they made the process so easy. So go online to brianismyguy.com to make Brian your guy. That's brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And uh, really got to give some props to you listeners. You know, these are lean times for Alani Sports until basketball gets going, and you're still tuning in, and, and we really do appreciate that. I want to share a message that I got from Ron Davis, and uh, I thought this was cool. I got it on Friday. Hey, Carp, I wanted to reach out and say I'm a big fan of your show. Full disclosure, I initially sought out listening to you because I enjoy Illinois losing and hearing you rant about those losses. I went to Mizzou. But the more I listen, the more I enjoy how you articulate the fan perspective better than anyone I've heard. It's funny, thought out, and unapologetic. I wish someone would do the Mizzou sports equivalent of the 200 level. Uh, Ron, I would happily do that if I knew anything about Missouri. But uh, other than Norm Stewart and uh, Quinn Snyder getting popcorn on his head, you know, I, I remember those games, but I don't have that institutional knowledge. Uh, Ron continues, I'm still actively rooting for Illinois to lose because I think your rants are funnier than the cheerful ones, but I enjoy every show. I just hope Conzo and the boys continue the bragging rights winning streak just so I can hear you go off on how a superior basketball team can lose to freaking Missouri again. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate that. And who knew that we had folks from behind and in enemy lines listening to the 200 level? So that was a cool note from Ron. And uh, yeah, I, if we lose to Conzo again, Ron, I'm, I'm going to flip a gasket. So you would have that to look forward to, at least. Hoping that there's not much ranting and raving during the basketball season. I don't think there will be. With football, I'm kind of out of the energy to rant and or rave. It's it's terrible. Uh, what, what can, where can I start? Let's start with the box score, you know, because sometimes it's proof is in the pudding, right? The numbers are right there in front of you. And just go down the long list of how you got dominated by a Wisconsin team that I think will finish seven and five or something like that. 30 first downs for Wisconsin, Illinois nine. Third down efficiency, Wisconsin seven for 13. Uh, you know, that's pretty good, right? I, I think the defense, we'll, we'll get to the Illinois defense, but I think they could have done worse. Illinois' offense, third down efficiency, one for 12. Fourth down efficiency, Wisconsin went two for two. Illinois, one for three. Total yards, 491 to 93. 491 to 93. Passing yards, 100 for Wisconsin, 67 for Illinois. Third straight game where you've had under 100 passing yards. Third straight game. Rushing yards, 391 for Wisconsin, 26 for Illinois. I'll read that again. 391 rushing yards for Wisconsin, 26 26 for Illinois. Last week, add a zero, and that's basically what they had. Turnovers, two for Wisconsin, zero for Illinois. That's good news. Illinois sacked once, Wisconsin not sacked at all. Penalties, Wisconsin nine for 101. Here's the best stat of all. Well done, Illinois. No penalties, zero yards. Well done. And it didn't matter. You turn them over twice, you didn't commit any penalties, and if you show me that before the game, I think, holy crap, we might do this. But it wasn't even close. 
And it started with the first drive. Brandon Peters doing the usual Brandon Peters thing. And, you know, should we start with quarterback? Of course, I was saying start Art because Brandon Peters is terrible. And I know Art, Art Sitkowski was terrible too. 0 for 11, 0 for 12. Okay, that's very, 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 very bad. And this guy had one of the worst D1 quarterbacking seasons ever at Rutgers. I understood the entire time that I was not calling for Joe Montana to replace uh, what would be an example here, a bad quarterback, Henry Burris. There you go, Bears fans from 2002. Um No, I knew that this was not replacing bad with good. I just thought it was replacing bad with a slightly less version of bad that the team could at least rally around. And I'm going to give Sitkowski this, okay? Yes, he thinks that all of his receivers are 10 feet tall, apparently, because every single throw sailed on him. But other than that, not so minor flaw in being a quarterback, he at least looks the part, and he's thrown it around, and at least when he throws it, something may or may not happen. With Brandon Peters, I'm bored to tears, and with Artur Sitkowski, I'm laughing, and tears are in my eyes from the laughter. But that's not exactly a place that I want to be as a football fan, is that both of my quarterbacks are absolutely awful. Now, I'm sure that the receivers aren't helping that much, but you know what? Isaiah Williams is getting open, and yet Artur Sitkowski thought he was 10 feet tall, missed him multiple times. Just sailing it over him, not even close. And I'm watching this. I'm like, what in God's name am I watching here? This is the best we could do. I know it's one season for Brett Bielema. I get it. They probably thought that Brandon Peters would be better. but And Brandon Peters is worse than he's ever been. But I do wonder, even not being much of a Brandon Peters fan ever, okay? Full disclosure, and I'm sure that's not surprising to any of you. How could he regress this much? Because Brandon Peters used to just be mediocre, and now he's outright bad to the point where he got benched for Artur Sitkowski, and justifiably so. What the hell happened? Is he that fragile? I mean, is this a mental thing? And then you look at Tony Peterson and Brett Bielema and think, well, how could you take this guy that, even if we look at the Nebraska game last year, showed you that he can be fairly good and then turn him into a complete shell of a quarterback? Brandon Peters is culpable for that, but this coaching staff has done the complete opposite of maximize his talent. They have turned him into basically a useless quarterback. So that's it for the Brandon Peters era. You could put him back out there, I guess. But what's the point? He's gone. And then Sitkowski, you might argue, what's the point? Well, he's going to be on the roster next year, so let him just throw the damn ball around. Go eight for 27, week in, week out, and then we'll at least have some good laughs along the way. That was atrocious. I I have never seen quarterbacking that bad at Illinois. Uh, Chase Crouch. But we kind of knew what he was, right? Uh, (laughs) And Rod Smith, I think, at least tried. He tried things to maximize Chase Crouch. I I don't know what this offense is. The fact that Artur Sitkowski threw 27 times, the fact that you threw the ball 34 times and Chase Brown gets the ball eight times. Tony Peterson has been a bad hire. And that may change, and maybe when they get their guys, he's going to turn out to run just the kind of vanilla but effective offense that Brett Bielema wants. But to this point, Tony Peterson gets an F. His offense stinks, and he is culpable for this. The fact that you have enough, I think, to be merely below average, not terrible. And below average means that you maybe score 10 or 11 or 13 points against Wisconsin. I don't know how you get to 11. I just threw that number out there. Uh, What, a two-point conversion and a field goal? 
you would score something. You wouldn't be shut out on homecoming against a Wisconsin defense that, while they can be great, also gave up 41 points to Notre Dame and 38 points to Michigan. Much better offenses than you, I get it. But you cannot get shut out in this day and age of college football. It's an embarrassment. Tony Peterson has stunk. And I don't know when we're going to find out if he doesn't stink. So now we get a full-on rebuild. Here we go again. Settle in, Illini fans. We're just going to see a bunch of crap for the foreseeable future. And, and you know, everything I said after the Charlotte game, you know, is it Nolan Void now that you do have some younger guys that have shown promise. And I keep saying Kirby Joseph because he's one of the guys out there that has signs of life. But then you see how Wisconsin, 491 yards, right? Now, granted, they had the ball for, what, 45 minutes, damn near. So if you think about that, really, the defense, I don't have a lot of complaints because all I asked them to be this year was serviceable, and they've been that outside of the Virginia game. They've been serviceable. Well, this Wisconsin game, you got to keep in mind, the pass defense did a good job against Graham Mertz, right? Much better than last year, that's for sure. But you knew that Wisconsin was going to run the ball down your throat, and that's all they did, and you couldn't stop them. So 400 yards, or I'm sorry, 391 rushing for Wisconsin, when you knew that's what they were going to do, you knew what was coming, and it didn't matter. Yes, fatigue played a role on a hot field when the offense couldn't stay on the field, but uh, I think it still shows you that you still got punked. This is a 24-0 game, but it really might as well have been like Iowa in 2018. It might as well have been. Um, The scoreboard does not reflect the domination. And the problem I have with that is that this Wisconsin team is not built to blow people out. I mean, as we saw, they only scored 24 points. Um, But this Wisconsin team, too, is not built to dominate opponents like that. I mean, if I were to go back, let's check out this Eastern Michigan game that Wisconsin played. And just to kind of compare and contrast what this team did against another lesser opponent. One sec here. It takes a bit to get these stats up. So Eastern Michigan, they'd be 34 to 7. So you could say that's fairly similar, right? 92 total yards for Eastern Michigan. 26 first downs for Wisconsin to 3 for Eastern Michigan. Uh, you know, basically, though, the same level of domination that they put on Illinois. And we recall, of course, Eastern Michigan beating Illinois two years ago, even though he went on to make a bowl game. I don't know where this is going, and, and I don't really care about the rest of this year. Do you? Are you going to tune into any game with any sort of interest? And it's a shame because, you know, the vibes were great on Saturday. People were out in full force. I mean, I couldn't get any cell signal. A listener named Joshua was going to stop by the tailgate and he said, well, where are you at? And I didn't get the message until Saturday night. It was packed and it felt like, wow, okay, there's a buzz in the air. Just give us a competitive game in the fourth quarter. I don't think many people at all were expecting a win. I didn't. But at least I thought there was a path to it. And then very quickly, you were reminded, you fool, how dare you think that Illinois has a chance to beat a mediocre Wisconsin team? And here we are. You know, it's the same crap, different year. It's a lost decade. Um, I think Brett Bielma has a plan for what he wants to do. But now there are cracks that are starting to show. And this all after beating Nebraska, what looks to be a pretty decent Nebraska team. What a game that was against Michigan. And... Nebraska, I think, will go bowling, but if you played them now, they would smoke you. Good thing you played in week zero when you don't have tape on each other and everyone's just kind of guessing, right? Um, and, and that's not to take anything away from Illinois for winning that game. But, you know, whereas last week I was saying, man, if you would have just beaten Maryland and Purdue, how different this would feel. 
your record is what it is for a reason. You're a two and five team. You're terrible. And you might beat Rutgers at home. You might not. Uh, but this team is likely not going to win more than three games. Okay, Northwestern, I know, but we're not going to play that game again. I'm not going to play the Northwestern game when those guys that maybe are super seniors for Northwestern, they actually know how to win damn football games, and our super seniors don't. And this leads me to that really dark place that I don't want to go down, but I think it needs to be mentioned. Let's move on. You know, and it's not anything personal with these super seniors. But at this point, you aren't going anywhere this year. This thing's over. And just as I criticized Lovey Smith for decisions like, you know, benching Trey Watson, that was pretty stupid. Uh, but I'm looking at this super senior class and wondering if it's not a culture thing, too. It is on the head coach to change that. It, and I'm sure it's an uphill battle. So, I mean, this coaching staff, they're getting paid good money to figure out how to turn a turd into something much more. Uh, they have not done that. And in fact, this is worse than I think most of our expectations would have been for this team by a considerable margin. And that worries me. It does. But on the same token, I'm ready to just not watch some of these guys anymore. I'm just kind of done with it. And it's a shame too. You know, this whole era of Illinois football, an anecdotal example is that Nate Hobbs is doing great in the pros, right? Doing excellent. And uh, Barstool Alana, and we'll get to Barstool in a bit, but they had a, a, an innocuous tweet yesterday where it was like, uh, the meme was Nate Hobbs was one button and then rooting for the Chicago Bears was another. And the whole idea of this meme was that Bears fans would somehow be conflicted rooting for their team because Nate Hobbs plays defensive back for the Raiders. And I'm thinking, no. And it's nothing about Nate Hobbs. It's the fact that Nate Hobbs was at Illinois when Illinois football sucked, and therefore the entire thing feels toxic. So we have individuals that are going out there and busting their ass, but the collective is so bad that these individuals are never going to get their proper due. And it's just difficult to have any sort of emotional attachment to a Nate Hobbs who, as good as he was, just happened to be here during a really paltry time for Illinois football. And the same goes for Jake Hansen. And the same goes for Mike Epstein, and <laughs> completely different reasons. And the same goes for all these guys that have been here for five or six years that have put their blood, sweat, and tears and all of that effort into this program with not much to show for it. Um, and, and that's a shame that there have been some solid players along the way, but the collective has been so bad that we're going to look back on all these guys and say, what? That's too bad. That's too bad. And that's just me being honest. You know, like I, I'm sorry that I'm not going to look back fondly on the careers of some of these guys because this program gives you no reason to be emotionally invested. And, you know, there is maybe that personal edge to it as well, feeling like, you know, there were times where I had the DIA, you know, kind of through back channels talking crap about me talking crap. And clearly it doesn't matter now because I don't need access, nor do I care for any of that. But back in the day, there was a little bit of eggshell walking because, you know, Illinois football still felt like a, a property that we wanted to court. We wanted to get maybe coaches or players on the show and, and try to get them on 93.5. And now I'm thinking, you guys are amateur hour. I say you guys. I say the way this athletic program has mismanaged the football program for as long as they have and thinking, why the hell did I ever care what they thought anyway? This is historically bad. I mean, it, it, my entire life, I've known Illinois football to be pretty bad. But this is just the worst decade of Illinois football ever. We're talking post-slush fund 
And I'd have to go back and actually get you the wins and losses, but I'm guessing that these last 10 years have been the worst 10-year stretch from Beckman to now has been the worst stretch of Illinois football ever. And that was when I was doing the 93-5 thing, and God forbid I said that it sucked. Well, guess what, guys? I'll say it on the 200 level again. It sucks, and we deserve better. And until then, let's just... uh, (laughs) You don't need to put any emotional investment in this crap. There was one moment that I thought was interesting on Saturday. I was uh, in Lot 31, and they got these power stations throughout. And we get the 60-inch TV because my mindset is I'm not going in that stupid stadium until there's a reason to. So instead, we're going to enjoy the tailgate. We're going to watch the game on a 60-inch TV. Okay. Uh, in this power station, I bring a long orange extension cord, and I figured I'd seen people use this the week before. So I go ahead and I plug ours in there. And I, just to give you some context, I do have to roll it across a gravel lane. So I realized that at the end of the day, this extension cord may or may not be a casualty of cars driving over it. But hey, for a 60-inch TV, so be it. Well, anyways, five minutes later, a parking attendant comes up and he drops the orange extension cord off on the table. And truly, before this, I was just going off of what I saw the week before, that you could plug an extension cable or cord into these power stations. And this uh, somewhat grisly old feller, he says, uh, you can't steal power. And then he puts it on the table. And... You know, I look at him and I I felt the blood boiling to my head because some people just suck at social interactions. You know, this guy, unbeknownst to him, he maybe assumed that I was stealing power, though I've never considered it stealing power when there's a freaking power plant two blocks away. That's beside the point. But the way he came at me, I'm thinking, this, this is crazy how I went here. I'm thinking, you jackass. I'm here in a parking lot tailgating for this craptastic football program. And for all he knows, my name is John Hefner Jr., and I'm Hugh Hefner's great or uh, great grandson or some crap like that, and I'm a big-time donor. I'm not, but let's just say he didn't know that, right? And he comes up to me, and he's kind of an ass about it. And I thought, what is it with you or the people in the DIA or any of this that can get off acting in any way, shape, or form like this is a legitimate operation? I plugged a cord into a power station. And I'm getting talked to like a child. And for some reason, this little act made me think of all the frustration I've had with Illinois football and the DIA. And this is going to sound, Jesus, Carp, how petty are you? I get it. But (laughs) it probably is very petty. But for some reason, that just brought it all back home. Like, who do you think you are? You guys are lower than, you're as low as Kansas football. And you're still living off Red Grange and Dick Butkus. And the 01 Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl year in 07. And I love both of those things. But that's two years out of my 34 that I've actually had legit fun watching Illinois football. Two years out of 34. I'll add 99 in there. I guess parts of 2010 and 2011. But even then, that gets me to five. Five. I'm going to be 35 years old in a week or so. That's not a very good clip. So, yeah. Sorry, sir. Next time, I'm going to find another power station and plug into it, and you can kiss my ass. Good Lord. You know, and I say this. I'll be there for the Rutgers game. I'm not going to go into it. And I'll watch the Penn State game for a bit, but if it's a nice Saturday, I'm going to do other things. And we are not going to do a live reaction pod because this is not a team worth doing a live reaction pod for. To think that after the Charlotte game, I actually was thinking, you know, if we're somehow in 
in the conversation for a bowl game, going to that Northwestern game, maybe I'll talk uh, to my wife about coming home from Michigan a day early for the tailgate. No, no. How stupid of me. I think at the end of the day, my frustration comes from getting bamboozled into ever thinking that they're going to be halfway decent. And they always disappoint. It's the old adage that my dad said, and I think I've held true to this this year until now, clearly, that concerts, man, that's where it's at. Because you go to a concert, you tailgate before, you party, you pregame, all that stuff, and then your team always wins because concerts rarely ever disappoint. But football games or sporting events in general, when you're an Illinois football fan, more often than not, they disappoint. So you put all this investment and uh, sweat equity into it. We got to the lots at 6.30 on Saturday. And for what? Well, to have a good time with friends and family. But unfortunately, you do not build a brand and you do not build a following when that's the product that you have on the field. And I do worry, eventually, this great foundation of people. I've known individuals that have started to drop out from the tailgating thing, where it was an every week occurrence, and now it's a once a year occurrence. That was the once a year occurrence against Wisconsin. And that was the game that you put forth. That was the game you put forth. That's simply not good enough. And that kind of stuff will lose fans permanently. That's worrisome. Can we switch gears to basketball? Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry for that diatribe. I was thinking, you know, after that interaction, I was like, man, who is this guy? The parking attendant thing. And I sound very George Costanza when I do that. But it's like, yeah. Anywho, I I could could belabor that point. Uh, Basketball had a open practice on Saturday. It sounded like there were a few hundred people there at State Farm Center. Good turnout, of course. I mean, the buzz is high for it. And last week was Big Ten Media Day. And what I love is this new role that Illinois has taken on as the annoying team in the Big Ten. I relish that because for 10 years, we were just sort of, what happened to Illinois? Man, they used to be so good. Now they're just kind of meh. You know, we, we felt like Minnesota. No one really hates Minnesota basketball because there's, No reason to. They aren't a threat. Well, Illinois basketball is a threat now. Hunter Dickinson from Michigan had the famous quote where he said, hey, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but to be honest, Illinois fans are really annoying. And I agree with that. But I don't think that's a bad thing. You see, and I think that sports should be fun. I look at Hunter Dickinson's comments, and there were a few people that responded, and they were basically proving his point. We're talking about a 20-year-old kid, and yeah, he annoys me too, but in a fun way, right? I I want to embrace that annoyance. I want to embrace the fact that this guy makes me hate Michigan basketball that much more. Just him and Jawan Howard and that sanctimonious Michigan basketball crap and everything with Michigan athletics, right? But that's fun, and we actually have some juice again, and it's been so long since we have. We have rivals. Michigan and Iowa, those home games are going to be so electric at the State Farm Center. And I like the fact that Illinois is not backing away. I think a lot of this goes to the fact that Brad Underwood has a certain swagger about him. We used to say on 93.5, seedlings of swagger, right? When they started coming up um, towards the end of that second year for Underwood and then into the third, seedlings of swagger. And he instills that on the rest of the team. You know, there's a way that they talk about themselves, like Andre Corbello saying, yeah, I think we're going to be better than last year. I agree with Andre Corbello on that. And I also think he believes that. And I also think other Big Ten teams are looking at that like, dude, you're crazy. Ayo DeSumo, who, by the way, last night for the Chicago Bulls in a preseason game was excellent. You know, he's gone. So how are you guys going to in any way, shape or form be better than last year? But I buy into it. 
I know that what he and Kofi were saying sounded like two guys that think they're going to win the Big Ten. What Brad Underwood was saying sounds like a guy that thinks they're going to win the Big Ten. Same with Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams. These guys think they're going to win the Big Ten. And I believe them. So when you're Michigan and you got a lot of good talent coming back and Jawan Howard has had a great first two years, you know, when you are Ohio State and you got EJ Liddell coming back as a potential Big Ten player of the year, when you got Purdue with everybody coming back, you're thinking, oh God, where do these guys get off? But that's okay. That's okay. I don't know what the perception, because this was pre-social media, I don't know what the perception of the Bill Self Alani would have been. Within the Big Ten, I should say. We know what Arizona thought about them. They thought that Illinois was dirty and all that. Well, I frankly loved it. You know, These were my guys. This was my team. And I loved every bit of it. But I wonder what it was like within the Big Ten. And maybe it was the same. Maybe it was the fact that Illinois, man, they get away with so much fouling and they're physical and they're dirty and no wonder they win all these games. You know, But it is so much more fun to be the team that has a target on SPAC than a team that is an afterthought. So this whole exercise the last few weeks with media days and getting these players out in front of the camera again and then hearing from opponents. That is fun. That's really fun. And embrace the, I say hatred, it's fun sports hatred. Jordan Bohannon, I, though he does kind of look and act like a piece of crap. Uh, geez, I shouldn't say that about a guy who's 22. What am I doing here? I'm going to be 35 years old and I'm still saying, I think that guy kind of looks and acts like a piece of crap. But you know what I mean. Uh, Jordan Bohannon is, you know, someone that's easy to hate. You love to hate him. And I love to hate opponents when it comes to sports. I like to go into a game thinking, I know I really don't want to lose to these guys. I don't want to lose to Fran freaking McCaffrey. I don't want to lose to Jawan Howard. I don't want to lose to Tom Izzo anymore. I'm kind of done with the Izzo thing. But you know what? This only comes when you have some relevance yourself. And Illinois is relevant again, and nationally so, and certainly within the Big Ten. So bring on all the vitriol. Bring it on. And I think that this team is embracing it, and they should. I don't know if it was Underwood or I think it was Underwood that said, well, if there's <laughs> if you aren't disliked or if there aren't people that dislike you, then you aren't winning enough. And I would agree with that. John Gross was a likable guy. And I don't think anyone in the Big Ten was like, oh, great, here comes that freaking John Gross again. I don't, I don't think that was the case. But that was sort of indicative of where you were at the time. This is different. And I love that swagger. And I love the fact that as I record this, we are 12 days away from an exhibition game. And essentially, I'm going every game this year. You know, we will be doing live reaction pods for away games, but I will be at the stadium for all of those games. And I'm hoping it's just one of those seasons to remember. I, I think it will be. I really do. And you know, I said that last year, and it, it was until it wasn't. You know, it had all the makings of a season to remember, and then, well, Loyola happened, and that abruptness was so shocking that you for, forget sometimes just how good that month, five, six-week period felt from when you beat Iowa at home in late January to when you won the Big Ten tournament, how good that felt. I mean, that was a historic season in a lot of ways. It just had a really bad footnote. Uh, this one, though, I think has the makings of, you know, that redemption arc is in play right now. You know, that, that redemption from what happened against Loyola. And it seems like this team has the mental makeup to overcome that. I mean, listen, Andre Curbelo, I, I couldn't be a bigger fan of. I, I loved Io, right? I did. Just like I loved Frank. You know, and I, I think there's actually similarities between those guys because they both closed a lot of games, though Io probably closed more games than any Illini in history. So let's not sell him short. 
Um, but then came the second batch of great Illini with Dee and Darren and Luther after Frank, right? And it feels like that's Curbelo. He's the next batch, and he's the one that's going to take it that next step. This kid's a superstar. We know it. There's not going to be that sophomore slump from Andre Curbelo. I mean, whatever stock there is in him, keep buying it because we are talking about an all-time Illini. I mean, I really do think that that's how good he is. You go back to Io's freshman year and there were those moments, but what Curbelo was doing the last three, four weeks of the season, that's what a veteran player does. And the way that he can sort of dictate the pace of the game single-handedly, I've never seen that. I mean, Darren Williams kind of had that ability, right? When we needed to push it, Darren Williams could. And when we needed to slow it down and get in a really methodical half-court set, he would do that just as well. But I think the Curbelo, while not as good of a scorer, perhaps, is the best floor general we've ever had. Now, I did did not grow up with the Derek Harper era, you know, and I'm sure the Derek Harper, he he's somewhat a forgotten name in terms of point guards for Illinois. Not, not a forgotten name. He's a Hall of Famer and all that, but I think that we forget him in favor of the more recent guys. But Curbelo is the name that is going to be in the rafters along with Io and Kofi, and deservedly so. And I cannot wait to see what it will look like when it is his team. Is it Kofi's team? 100%. But there's something about when you got the point guard as your guy. He is the alpha. And uh, I can't wait to see it in action 12 days from now. Exhibition game. There, there will be a buzz in State Farm Center like it were a regular season game. Because you factor in that you have a top 10 and I think what will ultimately be a top 5 team. And you couple that with the fact that we haven't been in the stadium since the Iowa game, March 8th, 2020. And we're rearing to go. And then football sucks, so you, you need something to get this mojo going again. And I think, I think you'll get that. All right, one more thing before we get out of here today. Hunter Dickinson talking about Illini fans sucking, right? Or annoying him. And by the way, I think I've set a record for the word suck in one podcast, so I apologize for the younger listeners at home. That's a bad influence from a sixth grade writing teacher. I shouldn't do that. But Hunter Dickinson, annoying Illini fans, 100%. Trust me, Michigan fans are (laughs) not just annoying, but I think more sanctimonious, and I can't stand that crap. But he's right, and this was proven by one particular Twitter account, and uh, this is not really going to be a Twitter beef because it is a sort of nameless account, right? This is Barstool Illini. Now, Barstool Sports has sort of cornered the market on, you know, frat boy kind of sports talk. And credit to Dave Portnoy, maybe not the most likable guy, but that's not his brand. His brand is not to be a likable guy. It's to be sort of a loudmouth individual. And if you listen to this podcast of mine today, you might think that Carp kind of sounds like a barstool guy himself. Though I try to be, I try to include a little more nuance. And then when I do go on these tirades, I try to let you know when it's coming from a purely stupid, emotional place, right? Well, what happened on Saturday evening was Iowa beats Penn State at home. Iowa now ranked third in the nation. It was a huge win and sets them up for the college football playoff very nicely. And a big win, right? I know that the starter went out for Penn State, Clifford, right? He goes out and the backup couldn't do a damn thing. But Iowa still went out there and won that game and they have looked great this year. They rushed the field. Biggest home win for Iowa football in a long time. I mean, I remember a game in 2008 where Sean Green, I think, ran crazy on Penn State. And I think they might have rushed the field then because Iowa was unranked and Penn State was way up there, if I recall. Um, But they don't do it very often. 
And I think it calls for it when you have a top five matchup and it's the biggest home game in decades. So they rush the field and then Barstool, Illinois decides that they're going to tweet out and basically make fun of them. Oh, well, what team, you, you know, you're ranked higher than they are. You were expected to win. You rush the field. What's this? This coming basically an hour after Wisconsin beat you 24 to nothing. And I was just thinking to myself, what the, what the hell are we doing here? Couple that with on Sunday night, Barstool's, uh, let's see, White Sox Dave, WSD, I think. He was at the White Sox game at, I about said U.S. Cellular Field, Guaranteed Rate Park or Guaranteed Rate Field, and he accosted John Cusack, you know, notable Cubs fan, for wearing a White Sox hat and attending the game at Guaranteed Rate Field, which, to me, the first thought is, who cares? I mean, this whole idea that we're ranking fandom is sophomoric at best. And that's essentially what White Sox Dave was doing. And Barstool, of course, tweeted this out like it was a gotcha video of John Cusack, when in actuality, White Sox Dave looked like a complete idiot. But this is what Barstool does. It's the low-hanging fruit thing that has become such a big part of sports media. And you know I've criticized certain Illini media types that somehow get press credentials and they go out there and make terrible photoshops and don't actually do any reporting at all. They just are essentially literal fanboys, whereas my Twitter moniker, I'd like to think, is somewhat tongue-in-cheek. You know I'm a fan, but I also will call a turd in the punch bowl a turd in the punch bowl. And it just got me to thinking a larger scale thing about the way sports is covered now. And it's a damn shame that Barstool has become what it is, as influential and powerful as it is, to the point where Major League Baseball was considering, or maybe they decided to, uh, air baseball games on a Barstool online network or something like that, basically partnering up with Barstool and appealing to the lowest common denominator of sports. Now, on one side of the spectrum, you got a guy like Dan Bernstein on 670 The Score, who I'm a big fan of, but I understand why he can be a turnoff because he gets so intellectual and analytical about everything, right? That can be a turnoff for people. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you have this sort of meatball caveman Barstool thing going on where literally the Barstool Alani account is just retweeting Alani videos or pictures, and it's just whatever gets the most likes. Now, what this is probably doing is giving a job to a college kid or an internship to a college kid, not paying him anything, and, but, and that's fine. You know, It's giving opportunities to someone. But the more nefarious thing going on here is that it's teaching these young, impressionable, wannabe journalists that this is somehow actual journalism or this is somehow actual like sports coverage when in actuality it's it's just dumb <laughs> it doesn't further any discussion and uh it, it just really leads to this sort of i don't know it, it, it leads to the creepier side of fandom you know the sort of cultish side of fandom where well if you you know there's a purity test for how good of a fan you are or are not Case in point, you know, Dave Wyshynowski, of course, looked at this barstool thing and instead of saying, well, that's kind of silly to go after John Cusack, decided to put up some 16 tweet thread about how John Cusack, according to secondhand accounts from people he knows, um, is actually a front running sports fan. God forbid. Who gives a crap what hat John Cusack wears? It's just low hanging fruit for idiot sports fans. Don't buy into it. There's plenty of good stuff out there, and I would hope that there's not just good stuff out there, but entertaining stuff that doesn't require you to follow lame-ass Barstool accounts that really don't do anything except we, I know what's going to get some likes. A video of Trent Frazier making threes at practice. A hundred likes. 
I mean, it is that easy. If I wanted to, I could go on Twitter right now and I could say, bring back the chief, put a picture of Chief Wilaniwak, and that damn thing would get 20 retweets and 300 likes in an hour. But why would I do that? What's the point? It doesn't add anything. And it just, uh, I don't know, it makes our fan base, like Hunter Dickinson said, look annoying. So what I am asking, kind of like I did a few weeks ago, you know, and you're saying, Jesus, Carp, nice soapbox you got there. What I would like to ask of Illini fans is, come on, we can be better than this. What I'd like to ask our media is that we can be better than this. And the way that the media and the fans comport themselves is how the entire thing gets viewed, right? And people can look at me and say, well, what Carp does, for example, is he makes Illini fans look negative. That's fine. That's a criticism you can levy at me. That's totally fine. But what I see happening more and more with this sort of algorithm-based sports media consumption on Twitter and Facebook, the low-hanging fruit, the easiest path to get likes and retweets is what people do. I find it lazy, and I find it frustrating. And it's not something that maybe I should even worry about, right? You, you might say, well, why do you care? Why do you care about that? But you know, call this my Jerry Maguire moment, you know, when he stays up all night and he writes that manifesto about how sports agents can be better people. <laughs> this is my Jerry Maguire moment. Come on, Illini sports media and fans. We can be better than this, damn it. We're a great institution. We have a great basketball program. We got reasons to be proud. And then here is just some low-hanging stuff from the likes of Barstool. Good Lord, what an empire they built. I mean, hey, I got to give credit where it's due. You know, I may not like what a Clay Travis does at OutKick or what a Dave Portnoy does at Barstool. I got to give them credit for the success that they've had. Um, but I don't like it when that success is based on what I perceive to be very cynical views of people. That you can really just put something stupid out there and that they're going to eat it up. That, that's a cynical way to look at things. And you know what? Often they are proven correct about it, Right. People do lap that crap up. They lap it right up. But should we be doing that is my question. All right. That was a lot of diatribes today. This may have seemed like a very grrr, angry podcast punctuated by eight minutes of Illini basketball bliss. And I'm hoping that we have nothing but bliss coming up starting in 12 days from now from that exhibition game forward. But for now, that's about all the... Uh, Venom that I can direct at this football team and everything going on with Illini Sports. All right. So before we get out of here, quick reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. You can get custom zones with any topping you want and some of your favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone online at dpdoe.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior needs. That's rectorconstruction.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com for vintage inspired Illini apparel. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. All right, we'll be back midweek for another podcast. Get more and more to Illini basketball and gradually get Isaac Ambrose and Trevor Valise back on the podcast and see what they're thinking about all this Illini football nonsense and much more. But in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you soon. It is the 200 level. Mm-hmm.